Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Improved Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Jim Harmer, and today I am joined by commercial photographer Sandy Durow and also Nick Page, who is the everything photographer. Hey, guys. <laughs> How's Hello. it going? Well, uh, welcome back. This is the first time we are live on Facebook, and so it's going to be a, a fun episode. Uh, but we have tons of questions from our listeners. First question is from Jamie Hoff. Uh, she says, I just watched the Lightroom Medic training that you have on improvephotographyplus.com, um, and it was really helpful to get my photos organized, but now I'm having problems with exported JPEGs. What do I do with my exported JPEGs to keep them organized? What do you guys do? Um, so for me, uh, don't do what I do because I, I, I'm probably not as organized as you should be. Uh, but what I do is I have everything in Lightroom, right? And then I have a couple of export settings. So for example, I have a for Facebook export setting for any time I'm posting to Facebook. And then I have a for upload uh, export setting for any time I'm delivering images to clients. And then I have a third one, which is high resolution for print. And those basically just go into those folders. They live there. And uh, anytime that I post to Facebook, I know that it's coming out of that folder. I know right where to go. And what's cool about that is that at the end of the year, I've got an entire year's worth of all the photos I posted to Facebook. And it makes kind of a nice screensaver because you can set that to your screensaver. Um, but after a while, like, you know, I deliver with using Pass. So I'll upload all of those images from the for upload to pass. So then they're on the internet and they're in my Lightroom catalog as raw files. And I no longer really need that, that middle folder anymore. So once a month I'll go in and I'll delete all those photos out of there because that folder can get huge. And that's, that's what I do. What do you do, Sandy? Um, I do something completely different. I use a program called Capture One, which is um, kind of similar to Lightroom or a competitor to Lightroom, rather. And so I'll use that for my captures, and those are my raw files. And then mm -hmm. I still make my selections and export them to a Photoshop file. And then I have to always go into Photoshop and then export for web and save those JPEGs. And then those um, JPEGs are what actually gets delivered to the customer in a batch. So I have three separate folders. Um, as far as posting to social media, I'm pretty bad about that and keeping that organized. So it's something that I'm working on right now, um, cool. but I'll talk more about it later. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I think, I think those are great processes uh, that you guys talked about. I, I just want to make one point for somebody who's maybe a little bit newer to, to Lightroom or Capture One, um, and that is that you, you probably would never want to import your exported JPEGs. Um, and I th it, reading more in, uh, in this person's question, it sounds like maybe that's what, she, what she's trying to do, uh, where she's, uh, you know, exporting one for Facebook, one to print, one to make a metal print, you know, one to email to a client. Uh, so she has all these different sizes uh, that she's exported, and then she's wanting to import those back into Lightroom so that she has that export ready. I don't think that would ever be a good idea. Mm, now you have yeah. multiple of every photo. Uh, it's just going to cause a, a major mess. Your export is really a temporary. Uh, it's something that you're sending out to a, a, a client or whatever. You still have your negative, and it, you know, in seconds you can export another JPEG later on. And so, you know, maybe you want to organize them in folders on your computer just in case a client comes back, you know, a year from now and says, "Hey, I lost my wedding photos," and then you just have it quickly ready for them. But I, I don't think it would ever make sense to put them back in Lightroom. It's just going right. to really mess things up. And just, one, 
Oh, well, go ahead, Sandy. <laughs> I was going to say, I just thought of something else, too. If she's concerned about actually viewing the JPEGs, um, I use Bridge, which I know it doesn't show you a full resolution um, preview of the photo, um, but that's how I can easily go through and see what JPEGs are what. Mm -hmm. And the one change to this would be that, like, if you're, let's say, a landscape photographer and you put a lot of time into one edit and that JPEG kind of represents, you know, this is the final version of this photo. Uh, one good thing to do would be to export that and then to put it on the cloud somewhere, put it like in a Dropbox folder or, you know, somewhere off of your computer, just in case you lose all of your photos and you lose your entire Lightroom catalog, you at least have those finished versions of your favorite landscape shots and put those in a Dropbox or a Google Drive or even into a pass gallery or something or, you know, Flickr or, 500 px some somewhere where you can upload the full resolution and get at that someday in the future when your computer crashes and dies um that might be something to add hopefully we don't overload anybody too i think that's like you wanted to you wanted to be simplified but then there's like all these different ways you could do the same thing just yeah, find exactly. one and stick with it <laughs> mm -hmm. exactly all right, Robbie Saint says, um, Nick, you recommended a Wacom tablet on the last episode of the podcast, and I'm just wondering which specific one you would recommend. Well, I, first I want to point you, Robbie, over to improvephotography.com slash doodads. That gets updated every single week um, when we do an episode, and it has all of the the products that we've recommended on the on the on the podcast since January of this year. So you're going to see hundreds of products recommended there. And if you ever you know you're driving, you're on the treadmill, whatever, when you're listening to this, you can always go there, and you're going to have what you need as well as in the podcast show notes. But mm -hmm. Nick, talk talk us through why it is that you picked the <clears> particular. Um, Wacom tablet that you did and and maybe for the beginners first of all what it does real quick right okay so this is week one with my Wacom 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 tablet waka, waka. Waka, waka, <laughs> and waka. basically rather than using the standard mouse you get to use a little stylus pen on this guy as I drop it this guy and this this square area here represents your screen. So like when you're doing adjustments or, you know, painting something in Photoshop, uh, doing layer masks and stuff, um, you can paint it in and it's pressure sensitive. So like the harder I press, the more opacity gets applied and and the, the darker that adjustment is. Um, now that I've used it for a week, I absolutely love this thing. Um, the learning curve is kind of steep. It's I've been using a mouse for as long as computers have been in existence. <laughs> so um, this took me a little bit of time, but I spent so much time on my computer and editing. I just kind of put my mouse away, forced myself to use this, and I love it. Um, so much better than a mouse once you get used to it. So the exact model that I got is the Wacom Intuos Medium Pro. Uh, there's a version larger than this, which is the Large Pro, and I feel like that would be a little bit excessive because this already takes a, up a pretty large chunk of my desk, but I wouldn't go any smaller than this um, because if you think about it, this represents the size of your screen. So if that this gets smaller, um, if you move your pen this far, it's going to go that far on your on your monitor. So the larger this is, the more more um, you know high resolution it is. The more defined each one of your little movements makes. Um, the, there's a couple different lines of these. 
where uh, they don't have buttons and it's a smaller one. I think it's called the bamboo line. And I don't like those as much simply because you, you lose resolution and you lose all of these buttons and you do find yourself using the buttons and the little rotary dial pretty often. Once you learn that stuff, it is a huge time saver. It saves you a lot of time and you can program them to like the shift, you know, the shift key, the alt key, the space bar, all that stuff, all the things that you use pretty often when you're photo editing. Uh, they also have the large Cynic or whatever they're called. The, the, they're basically a monitor that you get to draw on. So you're seeing the picture that, as you're drawing on it. And Cintiq, I don't yeah. think, yeah. And I don't think I would ever go with that simply because I like my big 27 inch monitor that I'm already used to. And I don't want to spend $1,000 on something that's smaller. I would rather just add to my current system rather than, you know, completely change it. I like um, working down here on a, on a um, table surface and looking up here. It just feels more natural. And this is like, you know, one-third the price. So I really like this particular model. Um, maybe I would go larger, but I would not go smaller because if you're going to do it, you might as well jump in and get something that you, that will help you to do better rather than kind of get your feet wet at, you know, $250 or whatever it is. You might as well just jump in get completely soaking wet and get, get the best you can afford. That way it's going to help you with your editing rather than just show you what's possible. So this is the Intuos medium pro and I really like it. Very cool. So, so I'm looking at the the Cintiq one, which was recommended um, by a friend of mine because I've been shopping for them for a while now too. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm just curious if somebody didn't have a large monitor like I have my laptop, um, uh -huh. if this yeah. might be. And you can afford it, maybe. So maybe I'll get this and try it and then report back <laughs> right. once I can afford it because it is yeah. very expensive. Yeah, those things get spendy quick. Mm -hmm. So. I, don't I personally like the idea of being able to draw on the screen instead of, you know, trying. Okay. I've tried it before. And I know, that, like you said, the growing pain, like you have to stick with it mm -hmm. and throw away your mouse for a little bit yep. and, and really kind of dive into it. And, you um, know, eventually it ju you you just start to learn exactly where your screen is on your hand and it, it, it comes. You just got to allow yourself to build the muscle memory. Yeah. And. For me, I'm a weekend, and I feel like I've pretty well got it. So, oh, good. Well, that's possible. You, you can do it too, Sandy. I believe you. I got this. Okay. All right. Well, Harriet <laughs> Regina Freeman asks on Improved Photography, um, on Im the Improved Photography Facebook page, since we're live, uh, says she has thousands of photos uh, saved on CDs um, that she's wanting oh, to wow. archive and, and keep long term. And so she's asking what recommendation we'd have, if that's the safest way to store them long term, or, or what we should do with them. Uh, and one thing I would mention about this one is CDs and DVDs are not forever by any means. No. Uh, in mm -hmm. fact, they are going to start experiencing a pretty steep uh, failure rate at eight years. And so uh, mm -hmm. this is not a safe place to keep your CDs, plus the fact that they can just get lost and scratched, etc. A much Couldn't safer choice is going to be an external hard drive. Uh, but even there, you're not 100%. You know, you may mm -hmm. want to back it up on something. If, if you don't have that many photos, if it's just thousands and not tens of thousands, maybe get an Amazon Prime subscription and just back them up there, which would be free once you have Amazon Prime. Uh, so you have something in the cloud and something on an external hard drive. 
Yeah, CDs are probably the worst way you could store something at this point because, like, not not only what Jim said about the eventually they're going to fail, they're not going to work in your computer anymore, but eventually our computers won't be able, won't even have CD drives. I know mine currently doesn't, and yeah, there's lots of either. computers. There's lots of computers that are just kind of doing away with the CD drive, and. Uh, I would say CDs are probably the last resort. <laughs> Next would be like USB drives. I like that a little bit better than a CD. I think the best would be online somewhere. Sorry, you could say the same thing about the external hard drives. In 10 years, yep. they're going to be mm-hmm. obsolete. We're going to be using something else. And who knows, you know, if it's going to even function. So cloud storage is the way to go. Yeah. I think I, I agree. I think cloud storage would probably be the best. And then second best, well, you should have it on the cloud on a hard drive. I, I think those two things com- combined, you won't lose your photos. Yeah, and, and also just remember that cloud storage isn't perfect either. A website that I use very often is 48hourslogo.com. You know, if I'm starting a new website or a business or need a, a cool graphic for improved photography, I'll go to 48hourslogo.com. And uh, if they just had a problem last month where they just, woof, just lost all the data of everything going on. And so they had to email all their customers and say, hey, did you have a contest going on? Uh, How much money did you pay? (laughs) Like, it was just gone. So nothing is bulletproof. Uh, So it's just important, get it in two places. Get it somewhere on your local computer or on an external and somewhere out of your house um, and you're going to be a lot, a lot safer. You don't want to lose those family, family memories. Yeah, All right, a quick agreed. question, uh, just a poll question. Uh, who do you use for metal prints? Nick, who's your, who's your choice? Oh, I use several people. I either, I used to use deep, uh, what is Pro it? DPI. Uh, Pro DPI. Um, but now I'm using Miller's more and more. Me too. Uh, Miller's they, they ship really fast. Like the, the shipping is what you get addicted to. It's the same price pretty much only it's there like two days after you order it. It's crazy. I don't know how they do it. Um, but if I'm going for just absolute like best quality Bay photo, Bay photo has the best metal prints and they have way more options. You can custom like have order custom sizes, any dimensions you want, any aspect ratio you want. Uh, they have really cool floating frames for metal prints. Like it gets a little bit spendy, but I would say quality wise, it's really hard to be. And they have the medium gloss, which is like not quite as glossy, but not matte. It's like somewhere in between, so it's not as reflective. Cool. And I would say that that's one of the downsides of a lot of metal prints. So uh, for speed and economics, I like Miller's. And for absolute quality, I like Bayphoto. Um, cool. I, I've never printed a metal print before, but I, at WPPI, I did go around and try to look at the different companies. White mm. House Custom Color had really nice ones, but they're a little bit more expensive, aren't they? Yeah, they, they tend to be. But, you know, the funny thing about a lot of these labs is uh, some companies go through different labs, you know, yes. like uh, and they're all kind of inter- intermingled. And White House, White House custom photo might be related with Bay photo, actually. Oh, okay. um, but I don't know. I, I don't know the family tree of all that. But it's a mystery. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I, I'm like you, Nick. I've been I've been using Pro DPI for years. What has started to get me annoyed with them is the ordering system. It's always been terrible when you yeah. when you have to go to the website and download the Rose program R O E S. 
uh, and get that. It's a Java app, so I've got to install Java, and I usually don't like to have it on there. Um, mm -hmm. But I got to install Java and get it through, and it never seems to remember my settings. It's just a pain in the neck. And so I've been switching as much as possible to labs that have a simple online ordering system because I don't order mm -hmm. every week. I'm ordering, you know, every three or four months. And so if every time I go to order, I've got to uh, go back and find my customer num number and all this stuff, it's just, it's mm -hmm. really annoying. So I've been trying to switch to that. And, you know, at, from a quality standpoint, between ProDPI and Miller's, they have different mounting techniques for their metal prints. So ProDPI just has like the little foam or wooden backing thing with the holes drilled in it and you hang that over the nail and that's how they hang. The problem with that is, is if you over time, the the hole that you're hanging for the, the photo from kind of gets eroded away and it becomes rounded and smooth like if you're dragging it off the nail every time um, but Miller's they have the f the foam wooden backing thingamajiggy whatever that's called and then they have a, a piece of metal on the back of that so you're hanging from a thin piece of aluminum and that's not going to wear away any road nearly as quickly so uh, from a quality standpoint I really think that the Miller's hanging system style is much better than what you get from Pro DPI as well. Yeah, and I always get, uh, in fact, from Pro DPI, what I usually order for my metal prints is where it has the, the big holes in all four corners, and then you get those yeah. metal studs that set it off the wall. I just think those always look really classy. So they I, always, do. I always get it that way. All right, the cool. next question um, says, golf course photos. Have you ever taken any golf course photos um, interested in, sell in selling them to the course or to the players? I was wondering about that as a commercial uh, offering. Uh, I have done this before. I, I've uh, When I was in Florida, Florida's like the golf course capital of the world. <laughs> There's golf everywhere because there are uh, retired people everywhere. Um, I was going to say old retired people, but then I, I held back and I say just retired people now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I did do that for one of the courses. Um, and uh, and it's, it's a good paying gig. You know, the golf courses... Mm -hmm. Uh, are expensive things and so they really want to show off uh, the course this is an obvious place where drone photography is going to have a huge benefit if you're doing drone stuff um, you you can get a huge uh, benefit over everybody else if you can do that if you're just on the ground uh, ha you know you just can't show much of the course and the course layout uh, so that's something that can really differentiate yourself. And I also have met a couple photographers at events that do golf courses like that's their specialty is golf course photography. Yeah. The trouble with it is, you know, you do it for the course and they may not need photos for another five, ten years. Uh, so and, and there just aren't that many courses. So that's, you know, one of the drawbacks for just the course itself. And so you're going to have to work into, you know, the players, events, things like that. Right. And, you know, landscape photographers are always talking about how hard it is to monetize their craft and to get paid to do landscape photography. Could there be a more perfect transition into getting paid as a landscape photographer than a golf course? Because that that is landscape photography. Throw a, throw a golfer in there and doing an epic backswing like with a nice sunset. That's a money shot. Um, so I've done a little bit. And the way that I've done it is like there was 
there was really killer light coming through. There was like a thunderstorm and rainbows and stuff. And I just like hightailed it to the golf course, asked if I could borrow a cart and um, get some good photos for them. And they were like, sure, whatever, cool. And so I went out on the course and I got some good shots and then they bought them from me. And so that that's the only way that I've ever shot it. But it's a really good transition into uh, future things because while they might not need more photos of the golf course itself, there's tons and tons of events that happen at golf courses. There's weddings, there's tournaments, there's all kinds of luncheons and fundraisers. And a lot of times they want a photographer to cover those. So it's a it's a great networking opportunity to go to the golf course, get some good photos for them, leave them a business card, and go, hey, and if you ever need anybody, I'm your way. guy. And it's a great transition into future things. Sandy, you've done some too, haven't you? I've done and um, I've done both. I've done tournaments and um, golf courses. I was going to say um, golf courses are always remodeling, um, mm-hmm. like clubhouses or even there's some new ones being built, um, you know, just around here even. And if you could get in uh, with the general manager or the head pro right away and say, hey, I'm a photographer. Let me know if you need any, you know, commercial shots once you get up and running or get remodeled. Um, so paying attention to that kind of stuff. And then um, for the tournaments, I um, actually got one of those little uh, printers that just does the five by seven prints. Oh, nice. mm-hmm. And then we put the logo of the charity uh, on it from the computer and we printed it. And we were able to give them their photos at their little award ceremony. So we took the photos as soon as they got done with their round, the four, the groups of four. And I thought that was really cool. And, and men don't usually like, you know, get uh, excited about photos about themselves, but it went kind of, when it comes to that kind of stuff, they were like ecstatic to have that photo. Yeah. Golfers are different. We, <laughs> let's just be honest. Gol- golfers. Well, there's like women golfers photos. too. I should just say men. But. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, you know, guys golfing they want some photos like of that that you know get the hero shot with the follow-through that's every golfer wants that Mm -hmm. so it's great it's a great networking opportunity i think just not this golfer because i go play like once every three years last time i went and i clocked like four balls into the neighborhood and i was like nope gonna kill a kid in the neighborhood too dangerous i retire from this sport when I say golfer, I mean golfer, Jenna. Oh, oh, I understand. I understand. Somebody who actually hits it where they're looking. <laughs> All right. Uh, Alan Combs asks, what are your thoughts on Lightroom face facial recognition? It seems to run really, really slowly. All right. I totally know where you're coming from, Alan. I set out, we mentioned Lightroom Medic. Uh, that is a full-length training that we have available on improvephotographyplus.com. Uh, if you go to improvephotographyplus.com, there's a two-week free trial, and then it's $19 a month. But that's the only place you can get Lightroom Medic. And that's exactly what I set out to do is um, I, I basically went through Lightroom and I said, okay, I'm disorganized. I got years and years of photos in here. I can't find anything. Um, I just want to get all my photos organized so I can, I, I can actually find stuff. And so I made, uh, spent weeks doing it and then recorded a, a training on what I learned. And facial recognition is a, such a powerful, incredibly useful tool um, in Lightroom, but I never used it for this exact reason. It's just so slow. Uh, when you just go into Lightroom and click facial recognition. But there's a total fix for it that'll just immediately fix the problem. You take, Turn it off. Yeah, turn it <laughs> off. Uh, you just get, you get, you know, 500 photos, 
and you put them into a collection. Um, and then once you have a collection set up, then you go to facial recognition on that collection and the problem is fixed immediately. It runs quickly when you have you know, up to a thousand photos um, and everything just works nicely. Uh, and so the trick is take them 500 or a thousand photos at a time, depending on the speed of your computer, drag them all mm -hmm. into a collection and then start doing facial recognition. Once you're done with that thousand, then go on to another thousand. In all, I bet it took me six to eight hours to go back and do, you know, the last seven years of photos. You know, it's going to wow. take a couple weekends, you know, do it. It's boring work. So, you know, fire up Netflix and take out the laptop. But I, I got like seven years of facial recognition done in six or eight hours. But if you're doing this... Uh, Really, I mean, just at least get the two-week free trial of Improved Photography Plus and check out that Lightroom Medic tutorial because I'm going to show you exactly the process to do it. And it ended up being really, really helpful to get my my uh, portfolio organized. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a great thing for you know family photos of your own family. As a portrait photographer, as many faces as I photograph in a year, it would just like. I, I remember when it first came out, I started doing it and I let it go all night and it was it was not even a fraction of the way yep. into my my catalog. It, it will just lock up your computer if you try to do it as a portrait photographer. Yeah, well, For yeah, family if you photos, do it totally makes sense. Yeah. And that's why you got to go chunks at a time. Don't do the whole yep. thing. And I agree with yep. you, Nick. I uh, at the start when I started doing facial recognition, I talk about this in the tutorial. Uh, I started mm -hmm. doing everybody. If I knew the person's name, I put it in there. And that created two problems. One is it was too confusing for Lightroom. And I don't really care if I can find a specific model's face from right. five years ago because I don't probably even remember that person's name. So I'm only right. putting in faces of people that are, you know, like my family, my friends, people that I'm going to want to search uh, the name of that person again in there. Uh, but if you, mm -hmm. you start putting in too many names, it's just... it. It's not that good uh, of recognition. It's not as good as Facebook is at, at recognizing the face. And so it's going to cause problems. All right. Speaking of weaknesses in Lightroom, Nick, you wanted to talk about weaknesses in photographers this week. What do you have for us? Yeah. So like I, I'm always talking about, you know, how I'm always constantly trying to improve. And one of the things that it's really easy to get trapped into is only focusing on what you're already good at <laughs> because we we all like you know spending a little bit of time doing the things that we're good at but and like for me like I love landscape photography and when I go out and I buy tutorials I'm always buying landscape post-processing tutorials that's kind of the only thing I've ever bought and the thing is like I've found that my portrait photography has not been getting better. I've been very stagnant with my portrait photography is because it hasn't been getting the attention that it needs. And so I guess what I want to talk about is like when it comes to improving at anything, it doesn't matter whether you're a baseball player or a business person or a photographer, you have to focus on the areas that are your weakest you know, you, you focus on your weak points for me. Like it's definitely like in my portrait photography, it's definitely posing. I'm great with a camera. I'm pretty good with light. I'm pretty good at post-processing, but posing, it's kind of a joke. <laughs> Cause like when I'm, when I'm at a wedding or when I'm at an engagement shoot, I'm like, you know, I've got all my lights set up and I'm just like, okay, just like love each other. 
<laughs> and my my posing direction is pretty sad. So I know that like that is my I, it's a glaring weakness in my photography, and that's I've, I've kind of come to the to the decision that okay, I'm going to improve at posing, and it's one of those things where. Like when Annalise is helping me at a wedding, like I'm taking photos and she comes up and whispers in my ear. She's like, do you want some help with posing, Nick? Because <laughs> it's it's obvious Nick needs to get better at posing. So that's what I'm going to do because I want to be get better at portrait photography. I'm not leaving that behind by any means. That's how I pay my bills. So I need to improve. And the only way I'm going to improve is by picking on my weakness, which is posing. So I'm going to be going out and buying some posing guides and and really focusing on that for a while just so I can improve. Because if I just live in the realm of where I'm already good and patting myself on the back saying, Nick, you're such a good landscape post-processor, blah, 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 um, I'm never going to get better. That's That's where stagnation comes from. Um, it's not until you pick on your weaknesses that you actually improve. So that's, that's my rant this week. So, yeah. Yeah. I totally know what you mean by that. I think all of us have, uh, areas Mm -hmm. of photography that we kind of ignore for a while until it's just to, until it's just hitting you in the face, like, okay, it's time. One that some that have hit me in the past for sure are flash photography. I put that off so long uh, before I, I dared get into flash. And then uh, as soon as I actually said, okay, I'm going to buy flashes and figure this thing out. I mean, huge improvement. I mean, fourfold yep. improvement in, in my portraits uh, by doing that. There are, or I see it a lot with, with Photoshop. You know, you just, no, I just use Lightroom, just use Lightroom. And then you finally decide, okay, I'm going to do it. Uh, and then huge improvement once you, once you can do mm-hmm. that. All of us have those things. I have those things for sure that like you put off as long as you can and then, and then it's time to do it. Mm-hmm. Very so good. true. Well, uh, we have a new feature that we're going to be doing on our YouTube channel that is called IP Critiques. Um, so if you'll tag your, ha- your or hashtag your Instagram posts with the hashtag IP Critique, uh, not, no S, just IP Critique, um, we are going to be taking some of those photos each week and doing critiques for our YouTube channel. So be sure to check that out. That's IP Critique uh, to hashtag your photo on Instagram. The other big news this week um, is the Improved Photography Retreat, and I can officially announce that we are going to start taking registrations on August 29. Uh, that is Monday, August 29. Uh, that is going to you can find it at ImprovePhotographyRetreat.com. We've been talking about about it on the podcast for a few weeks now. Uh, it's a huge leap for us, um, and uh, and we're we're really excited about uh, what that's going to be. Uh, I know Nick and Sandy, both of you guys are going to be speaking mm-hmm. at the conference as along with some other great speakers. Uh, so that's August 29. Check out improvephotographyretreat.com. Uh, Sandy, you were talking about outsourcing this week, and this is a, a huge topic that Nick and I have both been talking about uh, because we uh, both outsource our virtual assistant, and I know you're doing the same thing now, Sandy. So tell us about kind of what your experience has been and, and what kind of what it what it's done for you to outsource things. 
Yeah, well, it's kind of similar to what Nick was saying, but contrast to what he was saying. Um, I, I mean, for technical stuff, for your actual photography, yes, focus on your weak stuff. But everything else, the things that you hate to do, don't do it. <laughs> like, find find a way to get away from it. For me, it's marketing. Hashtag, hashtag the American dream right there. Don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. Well, because I feel, I feel like a lot of photographers, especially um, when you're first starting out and you're so excited about starting this new business, you want to be a web developer developer and you even, you know, accountant and everything to everybody. And then you find, I found that I wasn't taking photos as much, you know? So I just decided to, to say, okay, I'm going to bite the bullet and outsource one thing. Like what's the thing that I hate the most. And for me, it's marketing and SEO, like anything that has to do with that stuff. I just, as SEO, especially, I just fall asleep at my keyboard. I can't do it. So luckily I knew somebody that was really good at it, um, who is, uh, specializes in marketing. And, uh, so she's been helping me and, um, the cost isn't as bad as I thought it would be. And she's like doing things, um, as far as my social media, she's got me set up on a social media calendar. Um, she has my email marketing started so that I can do that kind of stuff. Things that I would probably not have done on my own, Mm -hmm. um, until like, you know, a few years from now. So I'm really excited to start all that and she's been a good drill sergeant kind of prodding me um, to do things like blogging and stuff so it's been working out really really well um, and then I told her she that I was going to be talking about her on the podcast and she offered to do a paid search or SEO audit for the first five listeners that contact her um, and then you can kind of see where your website's at and how it can improve and know what you don't know basically about that kind of stuff that's awesome. so I'm excited yeah that's very cool, that's cool. Uh, yeah, so I use photographerva.com. Um, if you email customer support at Improve Photography, uh, you know, you have a question that you email in, this is who it's going to. It's photographerva.com. Um, and Nick, I know you use the same service. Uh, this this guy is awesome. Uh, his name is, is Jesse that own, owns the business. And... Uh, it's it's re- really great. I, he's been doing it for two years for me, and uh, I mean he handles a huge chunk of of what used to be my workload. Uh, things that I did not like doing. You know, somebody purchased something and the download didn't work, or you know they lost their Lightroom presets. How do I get them back? Or uh, you know somebody emails and says I want to schedule you for a wedding and then you know that whole email exchange of you know 30 emails before you finally have the client's money and it's booked can totally be done by a VA um, you know SEO marketing uh, all that kind of stuff and all be done uh, with photographerva.com and the plans are super reasonable uh, starting at $275 a month uh, gets you like he'll take over your social media for you he'll implement an email list on your website so that you know you aren't just getting traffic and losing people that they can sign up for an email list um, and and uh, you know it'll set an autoresponder so that like if somebody comes looking for a bride then it pops up a thing and says hey you want to join our email list and uh, those pop-ups are annoying but they work uh, for marketing And so uh, it will get them on an email list and then it will automatically send them an email today, then a week from today, then two weeks from today, et cetera. And each one will be different tips about choosing a photographer, how to look good in your wedding photos, et cetera. And then, you know, you're in that bride's email box for weeks at a time 
And then when she's finally ready to make the decision, you know, you're, you're top of the list because uh, oh, yeah. you've, you've been there the whole time with them. Uh, answering uh, email, uh, answering email, sending photos to a client. I mean, he could really do a lot for $275 a month. And he has mm-hmm. bigger plans if you need a lot more time. What's your experience been, Nick? It's been it's been life changing. You don't realize how much time you spend in your email inbox until you give it away. And then you get up in the morning. You're like, I I guess I get to work. That's weird. Like I get to take it, pictures now. Exactly. Like, I, you know, but the, the old way that I used to work was I would get up and the first half of the day would be spent responding to emails. Mm-hmm. And then I'd go and I would edit a little bit and I'd look at my in- inbox and everybody responded. Yep. And then it's just, it's just a treadmill and giving that stuff away has been such a life changing experience. Um, now when people message me through Facebook and they want a book, I'm like, Hey, that's great. Why don't you send me an email and we'll get it all set up. And then they send me an email and then Jesse and takes care yeah, of it. It's so nice. And you know, it's just, a, it frees me up to actually, you know, do the work that I, I want to be doing. And it allows me the time to be like, Hey Jesse, can you set this up for me? I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, doing this. Like, can you email uh, a couple news agencies down in Winnemucca, Nevada, because I would really like to get in to shoot an NFL game for their hometown star. And he's like, all right, I'm on it. And that's that it took that amount of time from me. And then he, you know, makes phone calls and, and he sends emails and he does so many things that I would just frankly be too lazy to do. And so you know, I'm getting the benefit of having somebody not lazy work under me <laughs> and and I get uh, so many more um, opportunities because things are getting done and it's an immense si- time saver and I enjoy it, it used to be like getting up. I would get my cup of coffee and I'll be like <sighs> emails mm-hmm. and <laughs> and now it's like. You know, I have a couple questions from him of things that I couldn't couldn't answer uh, that he wasn't able to answer or whatever. And then I'm ready to go on to start editing and start plotting and planning world domination. Like I've got so much more time on my hands that I can do more. And it's so nice. It's yeah, a that's game what changer. I, that's what I do as well is um, he will go through all the email and then there are always some things that, you know, need me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I need to just make a decision on something. And so he'll just put all of those in one email and I get one email. It's so awesome. Like I wake up and it's like, ah, all I have to do is, is just say yes, no, yes, no, I'll do it. Sure. $500, yeah. you know, whatever it is, all the answers to his questions and boom, all of the emails are done. Uh, it's just, it's so cool. Uh, right. And, and yeah. over time, uh, the number of things that he needs you for gets smaller and smaller and smaller. Like as he gets to know you and know your business and he can start kind of making a lot of those calls for you. Yes. And because he learns, learns you, learns your business. And it's just so nice. You can put, put together some, uh, you know, Google documents with like your common answers to common questions he might have. Mm-hmm. And he's got it right there. And, and it's just amazing. It's so, so nice. Yeah, that's what I did and as well. So when I was starting starting working with him, 
Uh, I wrote out a whole bunch of answers to questions that I got regularly. Like I just spent a week in my email and I was like, every time I wrote a question, then I say, you know, I've written this email before. Uh, I just saved it. And so then he could just copy, paste, copy, paste. And it's my voice. It's me. It sounds like me. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, just the, the way that I like to run my business and then everything else, you know, at first he would ask a ton of questions. And then as that gets, uh, as it goes further, like you said, you, you need them mm-hmm. less. And, and sometimes like if I'm going to be out of town for a week, I'll just say, Hey, what you normally ask me on, just make a call, man. <laughs> it's going right. to be fine. So it, and it's we- just, it really has been like the biggest change for my business yeah. was when I finally and, committed to doing that. And it- and a great combination for me has been having 17 hats, which we've talked about a lot on Portrait Session, which is great for client interactions. The combination of having that and having an assistant means that he sends like all of my wedding quotes, all of my wedding invoices, like he's on top of it all. Like he's got all the contracts that he needs. He can just, you know, somebody can inquire, get quoted, get invoiced and pay their deposit and be booked and in my calendar before I even know about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so nice. Like I look at my calendar, I'm like, oh, I've got stuff to do today. And that it's awesome. just so cool. It's pretty cool. How many times have you heard somebody say that they don't want to make the leap to professional photographer because they don't want to destroy the thing that they love by oh, doing yeah. all this other stuff? Like, I feel like there's there's ways around everything, you know? Absolutely. So That's a great point, yeah. Sandy. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've talked about it before, like the business side of things is my weeks. It's, I'm not good at the business side of things. I'm too easygoing. I'm too like, oh, you don't have to pay me today. Whatever. Mm-hmm. We can make it work. And having an assistant kind of takes some of the those unsavory parts of my business out of my hands. Totally agree. And you get the bad cop. You, exactly. You can be the good cop, and you have somebody else to be the bad cop. Yeah, exactly. I, I could give you that discount. We're going to have to talk to Jesse about that, though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll have to talk to my assistant. He kind of turns into the boss for me. Yeah, that's so true. And just giving giving away the parts of your business that you're not good at at all, anyways, just strengthens your business. You know, by bringing somebody in that's good at the things that you're not good at, it's it's only going to make you a force to be reckoned with. <laughs> so yeah, it's like nice. I, I don't mind doing the social media. Uh, social media is kind of fun for me. But when it comes to just like, you know, sometimes I'll post very actively and other times I'll go like three weeks and haven't posted anything. And so I can give that to a virtual assistant and have them, you know, you post the, these things regularly as they're coming up, you know, when somebody writes a new article on improved photography. And then when I post, it's, you know, you know, here I am shooting something personal that, that gets mixed in and, and that mm. runs more smoothly as well. It's just, it's tough to do so many different things. I wouldn't recommend this for a brand new photographer who has, you know, no customer service needs and stuff. But, you know, if you're getting, if you're spending, if you wake up in the morning, like Nick said, and says, uh, email, then mm-hmm. this is the one. So that's photographer VA, like photographer, virtual assistant, photographer VA.com. That's who we use. I'm sure there are, there are a lot of great ones out there, uh, but uh, he's been awesome. Yeah. All right. I well, forgot. I forgot yeah. to mention my my gal's yeah, uh, website. It's kind of long though, so I'll put it in the show notes. But it's sem.barbdavidsphotography.com. sem.barbdavidsphotography.com. 
Got it. Thank David's, you. David's, like David's bridal. Oh, but, David's. Um, okay. Mm-hmm, yeah, it'll be in the show note. And I think she's got some free downloads for photographers there too, where it has a list of like social media platforms you should be on and um, stuff like that. She's got some free stuff there too. So it's pretty cool. Very cool. cool. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, now we are getting into the doodads of the week. What do you have for us this week, Nick? So I, for the longest time, have been using the YN568EX2 speed lights. Those are the ones with ETTL and high-speed sync. Um, But I've been running into issues with forgetting my transmitter or forgetting enough triggers. And I've constantly been annoyed by the fact that I have to have a trigger under my flash. So I recently went out and I got, I just kind of, I was in the market and I was looking, do I want the YN 600s or do I just want to kind of go back in time and get the YN 560s? And then I saw the price of each and I was like, YN 560. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I went in and I grabbed uh, three YN 560s and it was dirt cheap. It was like under, it was like 160 bucks or something yep. and got, got the transmitter for them. I've been using them. They're just so simple, so reliable. It, and I know they've been a doodad before, but the 560s are nice. And if one, you drop one in a, in a river or a lake, you go and you spend 60 bucks and you get a new one and you're not even out the trigger because it doesn't need a trigger on the bottom. It's so nice to not have to mount it on top of the trigger. And then that's another connection point that could go bad. That's another two batteries that could go dead. You just do away with all of that and you just got a flash on a stand and it communicates with your transmitter. It's really, really nice. I've been dealing with triggers and receivers and stuff. And every time that I forget a trigger or a receiver, I'm just out of luck or I have to use ETTL off camera, which I absolutely hate. It's wildly inconsistent. Well, it's wildly inconsistent. And so, um, I've, I, I'm really happy after switching back to the YN 560s. I got the YN 560 Mark fours, um, those are the ones that will communicate with the receiver. Really like them. Solid buy. Don't don't hesitate. Yeah, I agree. And if you're looking for links to that stuff, just go to improvephotography.com and click on recommended gear. And then we have the lighting gear. That's Those are the flashes that all of us have used for years. Uh, and, yeah. and I'm like you, Nick. I've gone to the more advanced ones and be like, well, maybe I want to at least try UTTL and stuff. And I always come back to the YN564. Mm-hmm. Um, it's nice sometimes to have one or two flashes with high-speed sync uh, just at the house for the, like the right. one time every two years that, that I actually need them. <laughs> exactly. uh, but like... I, I never pick them up. I always just go to the YN 560 for 99 and a half percent of everything that I do. Just pick the YN yeah. 560. Yeah. Cool. Well, I want to recommend the ZVE iPhone case. This is okay. I admit it. We're, we're tangentially related to photography, right? But so I bought this, this, uh, iPhone case that is the worst. It is the worst case. This one, I wanted to get one of these that, that's a wallet that has your, your credit cards in it. So I wouldn't have to carry a wallet around anymore. It's just with, with your iPhone. Um, but the problem is on this first case that I bought from Verus, the cards contact the screen and it is starting to, to wear out to scratch the screen where the cards hit. So I got a new case called the ZVE case. It's only $15 and it puts your, your debit cards behind the phone and so it won't scratch them, but it obviates the need for a wallet now. And I used to, my wallet would just keep getting bulkier and bulkier as time went on. 
uh, that I would, you know, just keep adding more cards and stuff. You know, here's the year pass to the zoo and everything, and my wallet would just get fatter. And so I just keep my driver's license, my business debit card, and my personal debit card, and that is it uh, in there. And it's been so nice to not have to have a separate uh, wallet uh, that I get to have my phone and wallet all in one, and it's just done. So that's my recommendation for the week. Cool. I have kind of a do random, I guess. It's a it's an app called Hash Me. So going back to the social media thing that I need to be working on, I found this for hashtags. So what it is is um, you download the app. It's the it, the one that looks like a hashtag, but then it's like kind of painted. There's a couple on there. I'm pretty sure it's the first one that comes up. But you'll put in a hashtag related to what you're posting about, and then it'll generate the the highest trending hashtags for you. Then you just select the ones that you want and copy and paste it over. And it's gotten it's gotten me a lot more attention. It's got me actually a couple clients already. Um, and I went from Very like cool. 30 likes to like 100 likes and a few new followers. So it's not like a just it's not for nothing. You know what I mean? It actually produces something. So it's recommending um, hashtags that you should use. Correct. And yeah. how's it picking them? Just based on what's what's popular related to what you initially put in for an example hashtag. Oh, hmm. that's cool. Okay. Yeah, that's really cool. That's pretty cool. Is it a paid app yeah. or is Very it cool. free? No, it's free. Oh, de grasa. I love that. All right. <laughs> thanks, everybody, for joining us. In Oh, and Nick, do you have any more spots on your Iceland trippers that fill up? It's sold out. Sold out. I'm All so right. sorry. I um, still have spots. I still have a few spots left in the Palouse tours, but those are going really fast, too. Way faster than last year. I think we're already half full, and it's almost a year away, which wow. is crazy. So if Not you're crazy. You're doing awesome workshops. <laughs> So if you're interested in going to the Palouse, uh, you can go over to nickpagephotography.com. There's a link right there. Uh, Iceland is sold out. I'm sure we'll go again someday. But uh, in the meantime, you can go to the Palouse. So there. Cool. <laughs> and join us, uh, me, Nick, and Sandy at the Improve Photography Retreat. And that's yes. at improvephotographyretreat.com on Monday, August 29th. Thanks, everybody, for joining us in this episode of the Improved Photography Podcast. We really appreciate your support of everything that we're doing, and uh, we will see you in another seven days.